Welcome to the Asians Redefining Their Success podcast, where Asian professionals share their stories of breaking boundaries and switching into more creative and unconventional careers. I am your host, Yangshi Zhou. Hey everyone, how are you? I just got back to the States, currently quarantined upstairs in the middle of the summer without AC because Asian parents and really wanted to share with you this episode as soon as possible. For this week, our guest is Mel, who actually just got married, so congrats! She was engaged when we were recording this episode, which was about two months ago when I was living in Kyoto. So, Mel is the founder of Ikigai Jing Studio, where she creates art that's at the intersection of Singaporean and Swedish influence, and using her travels, challenges, and trauma to channel her experiences, she works on projects and art that embodies play, color, surrealism, courage, and vulnerability. Before this, Mel actually worked in nightlife before building a career in tech where she led the building of reading apps for the entire nation in conjunction with the Ministry of Education in Singapore. Then the overwork in tech drove her back into nightlife, which then led to a sabbatical and then here and now eventually building up her own online art studio. So this is a very raw episode where we share some of our darkest moments, especially trauma, and touch upon topics like body image, abuse, and suicide. So this is a trigger warning. If these topics feel too much for you right now, please, please feel free to pause, stop me, and take care of whatever you need. Mental health is really important, and this is exactly why we decided to do this interview. If you are ready to join me, I welcome you to one of the most vulnerable episodes so far. Hey, Melissa, welcome to the Arts Podcast. Hi, how are you? Do I call you Yun, or what is your favorite like nickname? Yes, so my actual name is in Chinese. It's Zhou Yunzhe, but. The second part gets better a lot, so I go by Yangshi. I think that's an important question to ask a lot of like people. I rather you ask me how to say my name than to just fuck it up and look me in the eye and smile. Yeah, I know when when we first had it, you mentioned that you know you're a Singaporean who has spent half of her life traveling the world, running away from the rat race. So tell us a little bit about that, especially you know what career you were in and what you're up to now. I grew up in Singapore. I was young with undiagnosed ADHD. I know this now, which means I was both class clown and very bullied. Very fun.、Um, not ever really into school because I think the educators I got were just not nice people, and I didn't respond well to that because I was really hypersensitive about it.、Um, ended up growing up watching my little art films, my Mr. Nobody, you know, diving deep into the Breakfast at Tiffany stuff. Although, like, fuck that racist bit. But other than that, Audrey Hepburn's so cool.、Uh, and then I watched the show called Party Monster, and it it was by James and James about a murder in the New York nightlife. And I saw it, but like the murder stuff was dark. The drug stuff was eye opening as a kid. I was like, what the fuck is this? 
why are they baking powder or paint? But what I fell in love with was the costumes and the freedom. Um, and I was like, you can do anything if you go out at night and you can wear a costume. And that really influenced me because these people did not care. They were the most non-boxed up people I, I ever saw on screen as a kid. Like I was an only child, so I didn't really have friends because my mom didn't let me go out with anyone or invite anyone over. So I had, I grew up on films, I think, and books. And I was like, okay, I want to do nightlife. So when I was like 13, I was like, I'm going to be a club kid, mom. And she was like, I will disown your ass. And I was like, but I will do it, you know? So I, I did. I, I, I started partying at an age that was definitely legal. And <laughs> I, I worked really, really hard to prove that I was there to learn about the dynamics of how a club is a club. I would wear long-sleeved jumpers and mm. jeans and like, you know, my mom would say things like, oh, why are you going to the club? Are you a hooker? You're a prostitute? You're a whore? And I just ignored it because what made me happy was that I could dance till 6am. And I ended up being really lucky, meeting really good people who kept me safe as a little kid in the clubs. And I enjoyed how like the experience was entirely manufactured. Like everyone who walks into a club doesn't know this, but like, you know, as I grew through the years, I learned there's choke points and all the intricacies of making your experience real. We changed the temperature of the bar and the dance floor, it's different, they're zoned out. So you feel like you gotta go dance because it's getting warm, but it's not the crowd, you know? So the more I dove in, oh my God. Okay, and then uh, I went to school. Um, so I worked with some nightlife um, people and I helped market launch stuff. I'm not allowed to say their brands, but they, they, were, they were kind and, and stuff and, and they paid well and they would sponsor you a lot of items, but pay you like well enough to not be embarrassed, but not well enough for you to live a real life. So then it was really hard being sponsored by a lot of fancy things by actually having a really bad paycheck. So that was really hard because people thought you were a baller. But um, then I went to school um, after dealing with depression, abuse. My mom got cancer. She came out of it. That's cool. And then I came back to Singapore. I couldn't continue my studies because of money because we don't talk about money enough as a family at all. Right. Um, I went into tech because I was learning tech. I built some apps to help kids read in the country. Um, so instead of newspapers, we went online and they did homework online. So social good done, got pulled back into nightlife, which was easy and comfortable. But this time to actually outfit a whole outlet from start to end. I was like, I want full creative control. I want a brand. I want to build a website. And then we, we did it. And then I was like, okay, I've done everything you could possibly do in nightlife. And by this time, because the country was so small, like you know enough people that like if you hustle hard enough, you could get a gig related to the industry. And I was like, okay, but yeah, but where is the challenge? And like for tech as well, like it was very, it was very like, okay, I, I, I do it. I, I recognize the privilege because I wanted to start young and I did work hard for it. But at the same time, like I know people work a lot harder and because they are shy or they are, they're not as good at selling themselves, which is really shit because like we don't really teach that here. Um, they couldn't get the opportunities I got. And I was like, okay, but what now? So on opening night, I packed my shit and I went to Japan and I don't come back for years um, <laughs> and I just kept traveling I just I just kept going and going and going and crying and being alone and learning to be alone and so then I traveled did a whole cry alone thing uh, did Hong Kong did, did, did Vietnam Bali mm, so, so you did your like sabbatical they like travel the world find yourself sabbatical find yourself and then by growing th through the year like this year, because I got diagnosed in December, I had to go mourn 
the loss of myself when you get diagnosed with like ADHD or something, finally like everything makes sense. Mourned it for a month, studied for two, started trying to talk about it online. Really like just pushed it because now everything that makes me cry, I can label, you know? Like everyone's like, oh, don't label yourself. But like if I label, I can Google how to dissect and like listen to like 10 talks and just be like, okay, if we are cold and we stop crying, we can fix this with like actionable steps. And like if it takes that to just get out of a rut, then it's, once I tell myself it's chemicals, 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 then it makes it a lot easier. Then I wanted to, when I was in quarantine, I was a really weird place and I wanted to cut myself. And I got suicidal, which, you know, I think is what it is. And then, like, segue, I'm so sorry about your editing, by the way. I just go everywhere. Like, the retinin will hit in a while. It's important to get medicated if you can afford it and you can try it. Anyway, so, um, so I was in an interview last week or last last week with one of my friends doing my art and talking about what I've been going through as well. And when I talked about cutting myself, there was a comment that was like, ew, a girl cutting herself? That's gross. Trust the comments fought back. And I was like, you know what? I'm less alone than I think I am. Um, but anyway, so I tried to channel the urge to cut myself into tattoos. And so I reached out to all the tattoo artists that like I connected with and made friends with as I traveled and who did my ink. And I was like, I want to cut myself, but I don't want to cut myself. And tattooing, like once you hit blood, like, you know, it's fucked. It's, the ink's blowing. And I was like, teach me. And so in this amazing shit show, these tattoo artists got on Insta video, they got on Zoom and they taught me how to tattoo myself, they linked me up to suppliers and I was like, bang, 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 bang. Okay, we're doing that. We're using tattoos to heal as an alternative. So that, 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 that really, that really changed me. Also, I think like as an alternate source of art therapy slash income, it really works for my weird ass brain, which I'm just learning to just say is and not really push too hard anymore because it breaks me and I got to learn how to over the year maybe and then also like my urge to do everything I had to learn how to let go of a lot of frivolous things and try to keep it under the umbrella of art and advocacy this year and it has been both painful and rewarding to, to kill your darlings because like it's very easy to be like romantic about killing your great dreams everyone's dream is great right but but you gotta let go of a shit ton so so now it's mostly art advocacy tattoos and then like candles on the side and you know with the advocacy there's this thing that i'm doing this like it's an asian phrase called aya so i called it aya adhd yeah well i love to talk more about the creative pursuits and choosing between different projects later on so let's backtrack a bit for those of people who are you know currently in tech and they're wanting to go into a creative career so how was that experience like for you in terms of you know how did you know tech wasn't the right fit because you mentioned that it paid well and there was all these perks so how did you know that wasn't right for you so when i was in tech the money was good and if you're an intern the money is shit but the promise is real and great and that was really scary the options oh god but then when when you're working seven days a week and you miss things or you forget what day it is you think it's cute if you're in the same bubble where everyone's like oh yeah i worked since like 6 a.m., I sleep at 2, I meditate at 7.30 a.m., you know, I am on the 
bulletproof coffee like that is fine if that is your life and you like you like that hustle but i realized deep inside like i wasn't fulfilled because most of it was wanting to design the experience for people so they wouldn't have a like a shit show app or a shit show website or brand and like pushing those artistic things in tech it's usually pretty hard because it's like you know it's clearly not the first priority it's like yeah you need it to work though like let's do the 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 minimum viable to get to work and then figure that out and also when i when i looked at the stuff i did i was like yes but there was this yearning when i saw like someone on stage singing or when i saw when i was at a museum because you know it made me want to cry it made me want to cry not because the art was just beautiful but it it was like i i i could do that too versus uh, well and i i wish I could be free to do that. And then after like stewing on that long enough because I I accepted that I did grow up musical, I did grow up on stage for a while, then bullying, then went to art school, then abused till I got hospitalized and then like but I've always tried to art and everything that has been out of my control has made made me lose like the stability and strength and will to keep going. But right now I had nothing to lose and I thought about it and I was like if I if I spend so much money drinking and smoking and I didn't spend that money drinking and smoking and I went through withdrawal but used that withdrawal as like a vessel for my pain and that was the first time I was like vessel for my pain you know not shame not anger not female empowerment just like I'm crying this is me crying and that's okay because I need to tell myself it's okay and by telling others it's okay I kind of like you know like when you teach someone you teach yourself I hope I hope yeah and I was like if this makes me feel so much what do I have to lose and the, the final straw for me was when I was with my partner and we, we we were apart for a while because we made plans we didn't expect to meet someone and I was in Vietnam and I was just walking to get my coffee and like this big ass tree fell and it scratched my nose, right? Like this big tree was like, boom. And I was like, you could literally die anytime. Like it would be so lame to die from a tree. I thought I would die like on a dance floor, you know? I was like, woohoo, dance floor in me, Hong Kong. I'm quite fun, you know? Um, but I was like, a freaking tree in at noon? Like I, that, that was, yeah, that was, that shook my soul. And like you, I don't think you have to, like I was, I came from a dark place. So I've been on the edge of buildings and I've been like trying to hang myself, broke the, the freaking curtain rod. Like it's just been really dark and everything. And, and it's comfortable. I think no one says enough how comfortable being sad is. It, it's dangerously comfortable and that's when it gets dangerous, right? Um, but after that, I was like, literally could die anytime. Um, smoking and drinking recklessly, like is cool, but like almost died from a tree so whack so whack so gonna do whatever and and i just did it it takes a lot of crying though there's a lot of crying involved there's a lot of crying and realizing shit but also i'm 26 like we all think too much at 26 and 18 i feel like those are kind of like the who am i who am i what is the meaning of it all but like this is like shit's getting real like at 30 like one of the best quotes i've gotten is uh, i asked someone who just turned um 50 I was like what what did it feel like turning 30 because as a girl it's such a stigma thing and he was like being in your 30s is like being in your 20s with more money to do the shit you want and I was like 
like ho- hopefully, right? So, so either you, you know, you, if it makes you cry, but it makes you feel warm inside, like no amount of money can be lit up to warm you that way. Like you can buy all the suede you want, but if you're in Asia, it gets moldy. But <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> but if you. If not now, when? And also, every time I do it, I can't rely on myself to inspire myself because I, I can only, like with my brain, I get sad really easily. So I try and say, like, whatever I do now shows some other kid out there somewhere. And I'm trying to package it as a love letter to, like, me, in, in a way. Mm. So mm. if I was 14 and someone told me, men shouldn't hit you, you can do art. Bullies are bullies. And, like, you can... You don't have to forgive them. You don't have to get angry. You just have to be. And I knew I wouldn't understand at 14. I No 14-year-old gets that shit, right? But at least if someone said, don't let a guy hit you, we're getting somewhere, you know? Everything else can, can come in. Everything else can come later. Yeah. So that, yeah. So basically, TLDR, a fucking tree in Vietnam. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it's like, it doesn't have to be such a like dramatic sign for the universe like for me it was literally you know I was just feeling so lost and overwhelmed and stagnated like those similar melting soup of emotions and those that's also a sign and it's like okay now what are you gonna do with that sign are you gonna ignore it or are you gonna follow it in the direction that it's pointing to and how much of my inheritance do I lose (laughs) but then I came from somewhere that wasn't very rich I came from a poor family so I was like well you know, that's, that's not, no, that, that, that's fine. I'm good. Yeah. So money mindset is actually something that I had to work a lot on last year. And something that I hear from listeners and my own clients a lot is that the art and the creative world is oftentimes associated with more financial instability. So with that in mind, how, how, how did you navigate, you know, the, the possibilities of a, like a less quote unquote stable career when you're first starting out? Um, okay, so I, I scraped together all my skills from the past everythingness and boiled it down to PC things like copywriting, graphic design, branding, marketing, yeah. packaging design, website, app, you know? And that that was style that, that managed to get me clients that obviously as a freelancer, they paid eventually. And in between, I'm just going to admit and like that I was very lucky to have a partner that supported me because if you're waiting for money like and you don't have it like I have been in that when I was younger and it was hard it was really hard but you can live on instant noodles but I will say when I did transition to art this was during nightlife days but now when I transitioned to art I had the support of a partner and and with the, the money I think everyone thinks like oh art is expensive and if you don't price in that range you are a cheaper artist which is not a bad thing but but if you price yourself at a higher range you might sell less but that you know you can you got to pick always between volume and quality it doesn't mean like if you're cheaper you're you're less worth anything mm-hmm. and then when I try to price myself more because it also helps me go like for the first time in my life I think my shit has value and people start buying it you cry and you say oh my god they bought it for this price but at the same time if three people buy your art a month it's not a living wage even if you're price higher, you know, and, and you get, you just get very used to eating bread and it's not that bad to be honest. It's hard, but you're not gonna 
you're not gonna die. You know, just just eat lots of mu like was it musubi? Yeah, musubi. Musubi's kept me alive. Musubi? Oh, I have to look that up. But honestly, Asian bread is so good. <laughs> As a side tangent. It's so good. It's so good. So it sounds like you had to choose some trade-offs. Like for you, maybe it was like eating a lot of bread. <laughs> I think for me, it was, you know, like staying with my parents for a while as I um, started my business and like getting a, like a side, side job that um, I freelanced in writing because that was what my original job was in while I started my coaching business and that helped pay the bills for the first year. So yes, it might not be glamorous, but it just feels so good moving towards the direction that you want to go toward. And then like, I think that is something people need to talk about. Like you got to keep, like there's the whole side hustle, like everyone's like, oh, all hail the side hustle, which is cool. But also, can we just look at the side hustle as something to buy you bread so you can do side shit that you want to do? And then you actually hate the side hustle sometimes because it feeds you. But you're like, damn it, I could be doing shit I love now. But I'm like, soon, 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 soon. And that's the one that chips at you slowly. When? And, and you got to just keep, keep clapping yourself in the hype for that. Yeah. So you mentioned that this year you're pivoting, you know, fully into ADHD advocacy, education, and going back full-time into art and design. So what what's the hardest part about choosing to do that? Because, you know, going fully into anything and committing fully to anything takes a lot of courage. Um, thank you. And also trauma. <laughs> um, mm. So I realized I've been putting 100% into shitty ex-boyfriends and relationships. Why can't I do it for art? And I'm just like... And for yourself. This one might actually pay back. This one, this one cannot <laughs> cheat on me. You know, this one, mm. I mean, if I've wasted so much energy and passion and time, I know I have, I have that reserve in my body yeah. and I'm going to stop wasting it on people or things that I can't control. I can control this until Adobe increases its freaking fees again. Then I can try and, you know, you know what it is. Um, you got to talk to the customer service officer and be like, why? Just so you know, if any creative listening to this, like ask the CSO why and you're very likely to get a discount. Mm, you can get it for to know. about half price if you're really nice. Okay, and also your credit cards in case, and your debit card, you should not be paying annual fees. Just call them. Um, anyway, so, <laughs> so it, it, it was, making that decision was a gradual process. Like I made the choice and I was like, okay, because I was in an ADHD high, hyper-focused. I was like, yeah, I got this. And then forcing myself to do it, I, I did this thing called the it me challenge when you know it me was the thing when people were unglamorous and they said it me except I took a photo of myself every day for 100 days like as is no edits first shot go let's go that was really confronting I did it last year and I did this year again and that has done so much to strengthen me it is the most confronting you're like oh yeah yeah you feel yourself for 10 days until the 11th day you got cramps you have three pimples and a bruise you don't know how you got and you're like no filter at me yeah, it, it, it means whatever year it is, right? Um, and then going on video, just talking about my shit, going like, today I feel like killing myself, but I know I should not kill myself because, like, if I don't think about anyone else, like, it would just be really hard to do. As much mm -hmm. as it's easy to do, it's also hard to do and just look, look at it in the eye and just be like, yeah, I feel this way. It sucks. 
might I act on it? I don't know, but I am aware that it is not what I should do. You know, instead of saying, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it, because like everyone knows you should not do dark shit. But why do you, why do you do it? Because you need something and not everyone's going to be like a namaste goddess, you know, like I get the namaste stuff, but sometimes you just want to feel alive. And so I try and do something else that, that, that is bad for me straight up. I'm full about the, like, just do something else that's like semi-bad, like go eat a spoon of butter, you know, like eat it like a, like a biscuit, bite it off, feel disgusting. And when you feel disgusting, you're distracted. I'm like, oh, I'm so gross. This hurts. But, but it's done. You felt gross and it hurts and you're still here. Mm. sounds like what's helpful is acknowledging it even though it's hard and I think a society teaches that you know you should never have those thoughts or you should run away for it so like acknowledging it being aware of it understanding it and then like intentionally choosing something that's lower on the spectrum yeah lower on yeah. the spectrum yeah mm. yeah sounds like it, it's definitely been a journey for you and before this podcast we chatted a little bit and then you said Instead of trying to meld creativity into my business, I should have always done it the other way around. Can you talk a little bit more about that and what you mean by that? Yeah. So I think, I think if you're a creative and you are in tech, you, you have always, your first thing that you want to do, forgive me if it's an assumption, is to make it look good so people enjoy the experience. Mm. And you're just going to be bubbling sometimes when you're in like a sprint and they're like, yeah, but make the button work first. But like gaining XP on the tech side means that when you do make the jump, you're done. You got your website, you got your branding, you got your package design. It's all you, but also you're the last bastion who checks your shit. So you got to, so there's that always like, is it good enough? Is it good enough? It's shit. Is it good enough? You never think your shit's good enough. And that's just that. And if you don't have the XP, like if someone's listening to this and they're just starting out in tech, but they're not sure if they can jump to art, like now is better than later. Like, like just invest. I mean, there's COVID-19. Like what more reason do you need to just take a leap? What are you going to do? Just quarantine yourself from your parents and then just deal with it from afar. Do it on Skype. I, I, I highly advocate talking to your parents through Skype. It helps a lot because they can't reach you with their room. That's definitely, I, I think in our... Well, not I think, but yeah, definitely in our last season, I asked the guests a lot about their relationship with parents and how their transition influenced the relationship. And I think, and I think that, you know, at the end of the day, I think one of the guests said it really well is that, you know, she actually got approval from her parents. She got approval from her friends. And at the end of the day, she was the one that was holding herself back. And I think that really like resonates in that like at the end of the day yes there's all these like societal pressures and expectations but just imagine if they gave you the go-ahead like would you still be holding yourself back and if so why yeah oof that's good that is really real yeah but tell us more about your business because I think I think now the listeners are probably you know like you said now is a better time than ever um, so if you're thinking about like starting their business, but not quite sure how to go about it, can you give some insight into how you started yours? How did you, you know, choose that you wanted to do the intersection of Swedish and Singaporean art? What, what were some of the thoughts behind that? I think my whole life I've been trying to do or be something or become something or explain something. And then I realized if someone asks you to explain it, then you explain it. And if not, you just be. 
Mm. And the you just being is constantly fed by the but is it enough? But then I'm like, there is literally only one you. Like no one's farts smell the same as you, even if they eat the same thing. You know, like straight up, that's it's, it's disgusting. I'm sorry if you're listening and eating, but <laughs> but but there's only one you. That no one has your story. Everyone has pain. Everyone has worries. And if you are Asian, like, and you are, I guess, a majority, then the expectations that we carry are generally the the the, the same mm, somewhere the yeah. same so so when you want to start a business all you got to remember to do is what i am trying to learn which is find the sweet sweet balance between making something good but not spending your whole paycheck betting on the best like i found it very hard to say any start is a start i always want to get the best to do the best because I grew up without with makeshift I grew up with the pair of slippers that was half a price cheaper you know um and it broke in three weeks you know so I've been honed to be like want the best it will last longer but having ADHD makes me know that I might give it up in three months and then feel like shit because I wasted money and I don't have money to do my new shit so so do do what you can do the the best you can but don't kill yourself doing it. So basic things that you will need a quick list, I think. An Instagram. Do an Instagram. Do an Instagram. You don't even need a website to start. Mm-hmm. Go go on Facebook and talk about it. Make a page. That that stuff is free. That stuff is free. At some point, you want an email. Um, and also, this is hard to accept. Don't expect your friends and family to be your biggest your, your, your biggest fans. I don't know why, it just is. Mm. It just is. Your biggest fans and your tribe are going to be people with similar interests that you're going to find online on, on these social media platforms. And if, if your third auntie's second, second husband's fourth child doesn't buy your shit and neither of your parents get, get it, then like being heard about that doesn't, doesn't help doesn't help there is always something there's a community for everything there is there are post-it art communities you know like i mean there is nothing you can't do and and find your tribe online they'll they will inspire your ass so much and they will empower you and they they are also probably struggling artists so don't, don't expect them to buy your stuff and if they do they do but but if you like take away the expectation of like your first degree people being your biggest supporters it helps a a shit ton it helps so much because there's always this ingrained thing like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know why, but it just, I've read it so many times and I've seen too many Reddit stories to just keep holding on to that. Your auntie is not going to like your weird shit if you do shit that's too weird. It's just who she is. You know, like, but, but she's my auntie. She should support me. No, she should not. Find your people. Yeah. It's like, there's been instances where a lot of, like my first clients were actually my friends. So there's that like possibility. And with my clients too, um, I teach them to, you know, build relationships. And oftentimes their first clients will also be someone in their network. And then there's a other scenario where like, it, it's okay if, if, you know, if you're doing something that's not targeted towards that friend group that, and it's okay to, to find other people because definitely other people will like it, especially if it's, online there's like you said so many like unique things out there right like if you go 
full, like if you spent your life in tech or something and you really had this part hidden, I guess, I guess that part's important. That part's relevant. Like you do stuff that's really good for personal growth. Right. And like that's, that sells well. And if you go like full weird, then you can't like just sit there and be like, well, isn't anyone like that? I did. I planted a flower on my toe. Yeah. Mm. You can't expect people to come to you. You definitely have to like do the work. So how did you find, I, I saw that your May commissions are closed and I saw on your website that you've done a couple of commissions too. So how did you find those first clients? Because I think definitely the first ones are the hardest and then and then it gets easier after that. It gets easier. I don't, well, when, when I get hyper-focused on something, I become fearless, which is both like quite ironic and I need to I need to learn how to turn it into a laser beam, not a, not a floodlight. Anyway, so then I reached out to people I really admire and care about. And I'm like, I love your stuff. I would be honored to create a piece for you. Mm. What would you be willing to pay? Mm, then, so you would ask. And the answers would, would surprise you. I'll be like, and if you can't pay me, like, I'm just happy to follow you and learn from you. And if you have any advice for me, tell me. Like, these people have gone through the wash cycle. They come out the dryer with the bounce sheets. You know, they're going to tell you something that that's probably going to be useful. It's just like, just, and most of it was just, just do it. Like, what is the worst that could happen? You live in a garage and you keep painting. Like, that sounds great. Yeah. So what advice would you have for someone who is hearing this and thinking, but I just started you know, painting or, or, or doing more, more artistic things. And these people are so famous, you know, what value could I possibly bring them? Like, why would they want to pay me? Because art's in everything. And if you put yourself out there enough, you're going to appeal to someone. Someone out there is going to buy. If you, if you really believe in, in a twig and you put a twig in concrete, and you feel something, someone else out there is going to feel something. And everyone's like, oh, art's just a bullshit story with an with, with, with a object or a painting. And that story is, is yours. And it might be bullshit to like 70 people and like 30 of them are going to be like, I could have done that. But the difference is, you fucking did, man. You know, that's, that's, that's the one thing. You can be like, okay, mm. yeah, go on then, <laughs> you know plagiarize me let's go let's go <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah we all have so many yeah we have so yeah. many ideas but the execution part is the most important right like you said like you gotta go do it and you gotta put yourself out there and show up yeah like everyone's gonna say I, I can do it too honestly if you put your mind to it you can do anything but the difference is did you did you you know and try not to be a dick about it, but like at the same time, like in your head, just go like, but did you feel it in your soul and reply with kindness, which has been really hard to accept privilege, call it out. Yeah, like just call out your own privilege because like everyone has different levels of privilege. I think like the fact that we're on Zoom, like you're in Kyoto, I'm in Singapore with my freaking plan. Like, like, like we're suffering for our art, but to a degree, calling that out is important. Like, it's a good life. It's a good life. It's a hard life. There's a lot of mental turmoil. And I'm thankful. But also, I'm not going to be like, I'm so thankful I have nothing to complain about. Because, like, levels. Everyone's toe hurts the same if you walk into a wall. And I think that's important. 
Mm. Yeah, and all topic privilege. Like literally, I feel so lucky to be here, but also especially because of the Wi-Fi. So I finally have unlimited Wi-Fi <laughs> in this place. Um, before I was living off of like 10 gigabytes per day with my partner. We both remotely work. And so that's been like pretty difficult. But there's just like all these like small things that you can be like really thankful for, especially when you don't have it then because then it provides that sort of contract. Like nothing is bad or good. It's just what is and then and then it just gives you like a broader view of the world. Yeah. And as an Asian, we have enough privilege guilt if we're in the first world. So we need to let go of the extra stuff and just be like, yes, okay. Yes, I have Wi-Fi. Yes, I'm very privileged. Yes, I'm privileged. And I'm luckier than a lot of people because I can do art. But like, I'm not going to discount the fact that I ate like freaking grass to do it, you know? And people are going to come at you for that, I think. Sometimes on like websites and shit. What are you complaining about? You don't look sad. You don't look like you have eating disorder. Yeah, but that's the problem. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I know you also mentioned that you wanted to make things feel like normal and okay for people as they see you as an example. Do you want to share a bit of that and how, how you want to like be an example? Be. Um, yeah, so I've had the the is it privilege the the mm. life the <laughs> life of going through most of the things you'd see in a list to check if you need help um but just accepting it learning about it and studying it has made me want to become an open book for people going through it like it's a plethora of like it's like a it's like a turkish delight selection mm. here right it's like ADHD, yeah. Depression, yeah. Suicidal tendencies, yeah. Try to do it, yeah. Uh, anxiety, yeah. Um, abuse, yes. Physical, yes. Mental, yes. You know, like, we've checked all the boxes and, like, cool, fine. You, I, I wasn't in control of it. Fine. Thank you, therapy. Um, but, but saying that being, being or going through it it's okay and just speaking very frankly because my eating disorder came back during the the quarantine for like a month and like telling my partner about it to his face going yo i haven't kept on food in a month mm. he was like, i couldn't tell how why i love you don't do this yes but also i i've been doing it and i want to stop doing it and if you tell me not to do it i'm not actually gonna not do it but i need you to to hold me with love while i try um, but just talking about that stuff on Insta Story heaps, um, talking about it on YouTube heaps, and sometimes just Instagramming really vulnerable shit. Like if it feels vulnerable and hard, I'm probably gonna put it on Insta Stories. Yeah. Like, like sit in front of a mirror with my rolls. Like these are my rolls. Oh look, a spare pube um, sticking out of my workout shorts, and and really just talking about it and meeting these people, like women who are not allowed to not wear bras at all, even at home even in bed, even sleeping, and just saying it, and everyone goes, what the fuck? What? And then tell her, and she's like, is this not normal? But we have a son. He should grow up with the family. No, 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 no. Like, growing up learning love in a toxic way is more dangerous than growing up with just a single mom. Like, but, but I realize the more vulnerable I am, the more scary DMs I get. The more girls are like, my boyfriend hits me, I'm really scared to leave. 
Casey kills me, which is a real fucking fear. And masking, girls mask a lot. We're really good at it. That's why we don't get diagnosed as much. And by saying it and people saying, oh, fuck, I'm not just like sensitive. I have rejection sensitive dysphoria. Okay, okay. Um, at the same time, it's not them, it's me, but also it's me, not them. But here's an article. Read it, you know, like, like it, there are steps. Yeah. I love that you're showing them an alternative reality in the sense that, like, oftentimes we think things are normal because we haven't experienced something other than that. Like, I thought a tech job was normal and, like, stable nine to five. And that was before I discovered, like, being a digital nomad and taking your business online and all that stuff. And then your world just, like, yeah, totally shifts, right? So what kind of message do you want to like share through your art and I again I want to acknowledge you for being such like a supportive person of those people DMing you and and just being that that person that inspires people to share you with their most vulnerable stories thank you um and also like like side segue about that like when people come to you for emotional or mental support and you don't have space and you're in the middle of a damn cry just tell them they actually understand like you think like oh but I should be there for them because they're in a really bad place it's okay it's not on you if you have space give it don't have space don't it's fine you know so right. that, that part's hard yeah um okay so things that oh, that I want to share um be be I don't know I'm very surreal and art is therapeutic for me because it shows a section of my brain like I watched a show about keys the lock key something on netflix and when i saw them go into the brain box i was like yes mm. i want my instagram to look like my brain i want my art to look like my brain i want to see how it works but at the same time i do enjoy the malleability of being hypersensitive because i've been trained growing up in abuse sadly but also not so sadly in the end to turn that into like understanding people more like really learning about them feeling their energy everyone has an energy i think and that makes me good at gifting, but also makes me good at commissions, right? Um, making someone cry because I bothered to check their Instagram stories from a year ago with, with their approval, of course. And integrating their journey into a piece really strengthens me. And now, especially when I'm doing like art and now I guess the tattoos and whatever, but the candles, because I like cooking, but I realized shit goes bad in COVID-19. So I thought candles is how you give an analysis of someone back to them. And if you know them personally, like they can tell you what smells they like. Everyone has, well, everyone's unique, but everyone has, has, a, has a little circle, a, a little Venn diagram of, of, of smells they like. Like if you like this smell, you probably like that smell. You probably like this color. You probably like that. So with each piece that I do, I send them a full-on questionnaire. Mm. And I ask them for their Spotify playlist, like the most played, basically just Spotify scripts it for you. And I've listened to it. Like no one's playlist has not matched exactly who they are. It is so scary, but it's so accurate. And like it might be like rap and then death metal. But then you look at them and you're like, makes makes sense. I see you, but I also feel you. And and it's okay to be romantic about shit like that because I don't know. If we're not romantic about some stuff, what are we gonna do? We gotta hold something sacred, you know? Yeah. Oh, I love, love that you, like, 
personalize these for clients and like actually, you know, takes time to get curious about them and learn more about them. It's something that I feel like I would really enjoy doing. So it just like seems like a really fun process and it doesn't feel like quote unquote work work, you know, because I think oftentimes we hear that like running a business is really hard. And like, yes, it is in the sense that you you're like learning these new things, but it can also be really enjoyable and connective. Yeah. It's, 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 I don't know. I, and I'm a people pleaser or I grew up being mm. a people pleaser because I was scared I get beat, <laughs> but, but doing that makes me adjust really fast to social situations. Like with yeah. you specifically, I want to swear less because that's your energy. And I think we give these energy people too much shit, but also we should not give them no shit because sometimes <laughs> it takes the piss. Like let's, let's go there. Like crystals take the piss, but they are, pretty mm. so if it helps you find spirituality your way get it because it's shiny don't overthink it yeah yeah i love what you said about the people pleaser too because i think it goes really well with you know earlier what you just said that like if you have space for people do it but if you don't have space say that you don't because i think oftentimes it's really easy to go back to those people-pleasing tendencies so it's like really awesome to see how much you've transformed but as you were talking about I was thinking about yeah like I think I'm very intuitive and I can read people well because of like my childhood and the way that I um the way that I grew up and like looking back it could be seen as a really bad and negative thing like nobody should ever be on their tiptoes or like have to watch other people's body language but now it's it's like a gift in itself right now that i can connect that way with clients and it just shows that really nothing is good or bad you might be suffering now but it's like a gift in itself too yeah yeah i i think like i tried to like um condense right now i think i don't know uh, how would i fuck that but okay mm. you know when you think about the shit you went through and i'm really sorry you went through that as well what the fuck tiptoes right jesus like oh it's 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 a it's a figurative yeah, yeah, language yeah, yeah. obviously not not i i want to say it was very drastic but yeah. i do think for a lot of um people with asian american backgrounds i think we had to like read body language yes. when we were younger yes and dodge slippers or whatever you know it makes you sharp <laughs> though i mean you catch things faster um i i don't believe in forgiving or forgetting i have or getting angry or getting even i have slowly because my partner is literally the most zen motherfucker mm. i know like to just sit with it and when it just is and i look back until the point where i don't feel emotion if you look at it like when you break up with an ex and you really don't care anymore, mm. there's so much more peace. Like, like there is no glory in saying I ain't even mad, because if you ain't even mad, you're still thinking about it and checking if you're mad, which means you gotta open that that box. You know, you just gotta be like, fuck that guy, Lamau. That's more. Lamau. <laughs> <laughs> no, I haven't heard that. No, I was like, is that her ex's name? <laughs> no, no, no. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Shit. I'm too young for this. Um, yeah yeah so bringing this back what is how what does success mean to you now versus back then um last time i wanted to be cool and drink champagne which i think is a very mm. valid thing to want and if you want it right now go get it it's great it's fun 
Um, and then now, like after many years, I always thought it was a pipe dream to do art. I want to be a farmer. I want to live off the land. I love food, but I would feel bad eating food if I didn't kill it after like a certain age because I was like, I need to respect the damn meat. Um, farming is wet. Um, like not farming, sorry, factory farming is wet. Um, but now I do want to become self-sustainable, do a lot of like workshops with art, build a workshop, do metal work and woodwork and put that stuff on YouTube as well because like you need, you need more. Like we need more representation. We have so many great Asians out there, right? But like mm -hmm. we need to flood that shit. We need to see like a girl spin plates, but not in an objectively oriental fucking way. Like let's let's see right. someone fucking spin plates and Chinese acrobat because they want to, and do it in drag, you know, like yeah, yes. oh, and be Asian, you know, be fucking yeah. Asian, man. Like like, but also just not not try to pretend you're not Asian, not try to hug the chip, just be like, yo, this is my chip. I'm Asian, it's been pretty fucking hard. But I'm gonna try this, let's see what happens. Um, <laughs> and watch heaps of Drag Race, if that's your thing. That's helped me a lot. That's, and it's opening up the world a lot. Yeah. And what would you say um, is one thing that helped you the most in navigating your career change? Well, I grew up being very bullied and abused and I was like the like they could and, and with stalkers because but like the worst thing that could happen is you just get a lot of shit on the internet but people are gonna hate you anyway like people hated like the Dalai Lama like people people hate Gudetama mm. like like you know for a low shot like people hate Gudetama they can't stand it like, so, like, you can't be ever anyone's flavor. And especially if you've gone through, like, bullying, like, how much worse could it get? And now you're more in control and aware of your emotions. So, why? Like, the worst thing that can happen is something you've already gone through before. Okay. You've come back from that, right? Mm -hmm. Or you could talk to them with kindness and change their minds, which is what I've learned from my partner, not me. This is not from me. I've learned that from him and I actually converted someone in the comments and I was like, holy shit, I fixed it with kindness. Like, don't kill them with the care and level kindness, you know? Like, that's just dick kindness. Everyone knows that. Like, this, the, the sweet smile that, oh, I'm sorry. I understand. But like, just be like, I'm sorry that you feel this way, but I feel this way. And I hope I reach you. And if I do not, let's just go on our separate paths. Yeah, and I think you're teaching me a lot in terms of what it looks like to be unfiltered. Because in my mind, I think thoughts and then I filter them then I, and they come out really, really nicely. But they're not like the fully raw me, you know? So I feel like I'm learning a lot from you in terms of like, what, what does it mean to be unapologetically you? Like, I'm sure people will be offended by something you said. I'm sure people will like love the exact things, things that you said and you are you like you're either way you're being true to yourself and i think that's really what matters yeah and and i am well i'm working on not being sorry if i offended anyone but also if you are sad i'm sorry i made you sad but also that's like a sorry not sorry so if you're listening to this and you're like what the fuck shit you know then i'm sorry that's not my language like that's not 
that my love language is not coming out to you. Something like that. You know, some therapy bullshit, but also I'm just sorry. And that took me a whole fucking circle to get to, right? But that's... I'll get there one day. And also just keep tuning in because someone's going to click somewhere. Like, everyone resonates to someone's story. Yeah. And as we are, we are wrapping up, I have a couple more questions to ask you. So earlier you mentioned that you know, you were really good at creating relationships and networking. And I think um, that's kind of the number one thing that I hear from my clients too, is that they have trouble connecting with people or they're not quite sure like how to show up authentically. So what advice do you have? Because it's so important when you're in the creative world, right? So what advice do you have for that? (laughs) To just, yeah. Oof, okay. Uh, well, since I've gone full art, like I still do some consulting and writing for brands that I believe in like first degree friends, like quick consults and stuff. And because I reached a point where I don't mm. care anymore or every day I'm like, don't care, try to do. And if you didn't do, that's okay. Um, I, I swear a lot because of ADHD. Um, I'm so honored that you admire my unfilteredness and I try to learn from you to try and process my shit. I have no in-between processes. Like, like I'm an iPhone zero, you know? Um, But, but I am, I try to be a walking stream of consciousness because that's how it's helped me actually do my work my whole life. And that's how my brain sounds. And I realize if I say it, then if someone is just always as is, then and you call them out for shit and they're like oh I'm, I'm sorry let me improve on that then you don't have to go through the in-between of like trying to make it sound nice and i think with clients there's that crazy expectation you know especially if you're in like tech or business and you're advising these business people like there is a certain person you need to become to get to the person that you need to get to because you need to pay your rent or something as long as you don't feel like you're entirely selling out it's okay and it matters what foot you put forward first. Like, how real are you on the first step? But then after that, it's on you. You got to keep it real or you got to just admit, I've been fronting. Because I have done that to a client before. I've been like, I'm fronting. I actually swear a lot. Can I just swear? And they're just like, um, well, you know, the management's here. So, like, if you... Um, okay. And, like, you're going to lose money or you're going to make money. But that doesn't change whether you, you put yourself out there or not. And it sounds like as you're being yourself, you're being bold, right? It kind of automatically attracts those bold brands, you know, like Harley Davidson or something like that versus a, like a le- le- lesser bold one. So you're kind of like filtering out people too by being yourself, which is pretty cool. Yeah, it, it, it's something. It, it's scary because sometimes I get like a minimalist commission and they're like, can you, can you do minimalist? I'm like, yes, I will become you. And I get strength, like, like a, like a Voldemort with glitter with a nose. I don't like a like a like a good Voldemort. What's a good Voldemort? A, a Goldemort, right? <laughs> right. Um, like I become people, and that strengthens me because I go through their pain and I process it, and I try to put their pain on. Like everyone has so much pain. Everyone's Spotify playlist has some Ben Howard, you know. <laughs> and 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 I respect it, and I go like, you had a sad song. I don't know what it meant, but it inspired this corner of the piece. Mm. and they're mostly finding you through instagram these clients yeah they're finding me through instagram or like if i go on an interview and then they 
go through and they click and and then I I try to limit it to like 10 or 15 pieces a month which you know at some point I need to increase my rate which is something artists like are really scared to do so am I and I cry with them and I love with them but I do it alone so I get all the information and I spend like two or three days like meditating over them in a non-super spiritual way just sitting with it Mm -hmm. reading their story which in 2020 is just going through their Instagram going through their Facebook going through their Tumblr if they have one and just figuring that like everyone's in pain and and knowing that every day is just like okay so we are all in pain (laughs) okay okay let's work with that and just make something cute for your house Mm. that is good looking on the outside but when you look at it I want you to feel something I want to make you cry and that's okay Mm. yeah for me the most powerful pieces of art is that it elicits some sort of emotion yeah and I and I think if you're an artist like there is a stroke for every folk. I don't know how to be more. That's that's a pretty bad line. I'm sorry. I, there is a, everything you do is art. Everything is art. Um, you might think it's shit, but fun fact: all artists think that shit is shit. <laughs> so if you put it on Instagram and you get like three likes, just suck it up. You might get twenty the next one. You might get two thousand. You can't control mm-hmm. anything but yourself and how you react and what you do. So good. I guess you basically answer my next question is, you know, what tips do you have for creatives during this interesting time period where it feels like we're going through like a recession or everything's on standby and people are um, stuck. Stuck, yeah. Well, if, if, if you've lost your job or you're thinking of a transition, now you don't have to go for like four dinner dates a week. You know, you don't have to go hang out with your girlfriends. You can do it on Zoom. You don't have to spend two hours getting ready if that's your thing. You have a paper and a pencil. You have the internet. Just just try something. Like, what you want to do? Like, watch TV and play a game? Like, that's cute, right? But, like, you could do it any day, you know? Like, now you're free. In, in a way, we're, we've never been more contained but also more free. Because no one's going to be like, oh, I can't make it because I want to try to paint something like you don't have to tell anyone if you're shy it's like get a brush on amazon like especially if you're in japan like shit that comes so fast i love oh God, <laughs> um but 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 just just get anything like use a toothbrush and and you can paint on anything like i, I know this from experience because i keep staining shit paint sticks on anything um and tr- try it yeah and if someone laughs, like, fuck them, man. Fuck them. We all feel the same amount of fuck them. It's how you, it, 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 it's like what you do after. You keep going or you just stay in your fuck them loop, you know? Mm, I feel like I should make, like, a little chip <laughs> so of you right here. <laughs> I'm so angry. Yeah. Ang- anger is human. Mm. Fuck them. Yeah. Anger is definitely an emotion that I want to express more and do you have a favorite resource career resource or book no because I have ADHD but I have a list of some books that have shaped me or shows that have shaped me which might help people most of the time I'm just going to say go on Instagram and go on Facebook and find groups that resonate with you like for the weirdest shit just type it out in the search bar you're going to find it uh 
quick list of books and articles that I would recommend is The Power of Habit, which, which basically is sciences, like I want to do, so I'm going to do this and then that. Um, Thinking Fast and Slow, which I'm working through now, which ironically, it turns out I'm just an impulsive person, which is a pro and a con. I got to learn part two. It's a long book. It's a I long still haven't finished. Odd. But, but it's like cute to have you. Like you feel like an adult. You're like, oh, okay, I'm thinking fast and slow. Um, <laughs> the, the Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. Oh, that one's really And good. part two. Um, Party Monster, personally, if you care about glitter, dressing up, being yourself, making every day feel like Halloween. Mm. Um, I watch a ton of Drag Race. It is so inspiring. Also seeing an Asian on that show like, every now and then, like, is, it makes me feel like, oh yeah. And girls are becoming drag queens too. So, you know, soon, soon come. Um, there's the, the Quit Smoking book. And that helped me quit smoking. I like how it said, don't put your cigarette down till the end of the book. And it just deprograms it and you can smoke the whole time and feel like you've lost nothing. Wow. I like it. And that theory, um, if you, like, I, I read a bit about it. I didn't even study it. I just Googled shit. Um, if, if you can quit smoking or like a big life change happens to you, like there is a ripple effect and you find everything else a lot easier. That's why when you go through like trauma, people change a lot. Because mm. they've survived this and now what? And then now what? he doesn't tell you what to do and if you're fucking stubborn like me you would appreciate you like there there's like there's like the same author writes for other stuff as well but like he his theory is keep doing what you're doing until you don't see a point in doing it then don't do it which applies for relationships you can't leave the guy who's abusive because you love him but one day you get tired that's when you let him go yeah and and what would you rather do for the rest of your life is something i ask myself every day and to be shameless, because I've seen too many girls get taken down for this, for their shame. Body, mind, career. And so lastly, for, man, I feel you have a bit weird transition because there's so many unfinished like, threads that I could just go on hours with you. And so for those, of the, for those people who want to take that leap of faith into the arts, what... What do you think is the smallest action step that they can take right now? Put your piece, like just do a piece no matter what it is and post it on social media just to see the reactions and more likely than not, you're going to get encouragement and the like. And then hold on to that and try to like, like multiply it in your heart to keep you going. Mm. Because you don't really get likes for tech, like per freaking app update. Like no one's going to like applaud for you except like the finance team. So might as well get a sincere like, right? That's so good. It doesn't matter the amount of like, it's more of like, who have you touched? And if it's one person, then wow, amazing. Like hold, hold on to them. <laughs> and where can we find you? Um, you can find me on the Instagrams. Um, at Ikigaijin, that's I-K-I-G-A-I-J-I-N. Awesome. And is Ikigai is a Japanese term. So does Ikigaijin mean something? Yeah, so it kind of means like, like the Ikigai is the whole like find your center, which we all know is impossible. Um, Gaijin is an outsider. And 
like the name just kind of means that I'll forever be an outsider to that. And then saying it every day is kind of like reminding myself that 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 is that is what it is. I'm never gonna find it. And that's okay. As long as I keep going, you know, in that circle. As long as I keep dancing in a circle, it, it's fine. Because it gets tighter and tighter yeah. and tighter. That's fine. I love that. Also, I am so happy that we got to chat today, Mel. I am so honored. So many goodies in this episode, right? If you can think of one person who would find today's message really helpful on their career journey, please, please share the episode with them. It can make a huge difference. And as a big thank you for being here, one of the most common questions that I get is, how do I get started in a creative career? And so I put together a free guide that you can use to start taking steps towards a creative career you love through a side project. You can get that creative side project guide for free in our Instagram bio at The Arts Podcast. Enjoy and see you in two weeks.